1: Hello, and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast coming to you on Friday morning here. Uh, Aaron Portsline in Rainy, Ohio. Allison Lucan here as well. Hello. Tom Reed is uh, there ahead of the game tonight in Madison Square Garden. Tom, say hello. Hello. Uh, Blue Jackets get a massive uh, moment to exhale last night, Thursday, when Montreal lost in Washington. And so now Columbus needs just two points to clinch a playoff spot for the third straight season, the fifth time in franchise history they've made the postseason. Uh, Here's what we know at this point. Columbus can only play Tampa Bay or Washington now in the first round. They can only finish with a seventh or eighth spot in the East, the first or second wild card. So that much is settled. Um, they can still catch Carolina for the first wild card. They still have to extinguish Montreal's hopes for the second wild card. Uh, but here's what it looks like. If Montreal uh, Montreal lose, lost last night, so the Blue Jackets can clinch with two points in their final two games. Two points total. So a win, two overtime losses, two shutout losses, however it occurs. Uh, or if Montreal loses to Toronto on Saturday, uh, the Blue Jackets uh, would just back right into the playoffs no matter what they do. So I think their chances of getting into the playoffs went up dramatically last night. Uh, as for the first wild card, they're need three. They're now three points behind the Hurricanes. They have the tiebreaker, so they really need three points to match them. So a Hurricanes regulation loss, they have one game left. If they lose in regulation to Philadelphia on Saturday, uh, the Blue Jackets would need three points, a win, a shootout loss, whatever, in their final two games, or two wins— Four points if the Hurricanes should lose in overtime or a shootout to the Flyers, get a, getting getting a point. In other words, they need to pick up three points in the final two games on Carolina, and they could still get in. So, uh, first, let's get. We've got some news to get to. Alexander Texier was recalled from Cleveland after a short stint in the AHL, and he will be in the lineup tonight against the Rangers. We'll touch on that in a bit. Um, but let's, let, let's go first to Tom who was in New York. Your feeling now it was starting to get a little bit nervy. Your feeling now what's changed in the last 24 hours with the Montreal loss in Washington.
2: You know, you'll be packing your bags for Tampa Bay is what I think is going to happen. So I think they'll make it. And I think they'll plan up playing Tampa Bay. Uh, they would obviously like to get this taken care of tonight. Uh, I mean just imagine the rich scenarios if they lose tonight and have to go back to where this whole trade deadline drama started in Ottawa uh would be quite the story line for this team uh but of course they haven't necessarily done everything anything easy but I think they get it done tonight they they wrap up uh a playoff spot uh with a win tonight
1: Allison, you're, it feels like the mood's lifted. The stress level has disappeared, if there was any. They seemed pretty good yesterday at the rink, but your thoughts last night when you saw that final?
3: Yeah, I mean, it. It everything's been said. I think it's, it's a relief, but there is still work to do. And uh, we have to remember that this team didn't play their best against Boston, and so this isn't, for me, just about them getting the points that they must get, but also getting their game back on track into a place of confidence um, going into the postseason.
1: Yeah. It feels like they need to state their case. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, this tech news was surprising in one sense because of the time of the season. Uh, I mean, this is a November call up with a couple of injuries and you need a body and the kids playing well. This is, this is, he is one of the blue jackets, top 12 forwards. That's what this recall means. Uh, he is going to New York tonight, not to sit in the press box and eat popcorn, but to, he's going to go in and play. Uh, and it sure looks like Alexander Wendberg is going to be the odd man out with Boone Jenner moving back to the middle. Um, you know, there's no way you're taking Bjorkstrand out. And I think they like that fourth line with Felino Dubinsky and not Riley Nash. So maybe Nash, maybe Dubinsky gets a seat and Wendberg settles on the fourth line. But it looks like Texe is going to bump Wenberg at least from his current spot. Um, boy, Texier has been a revelation in, in Cleveland. I think they they had really high hopes for this kid. I'm not sure anybody expected him to step right in at the AHL level and be a point-of-game guy and just a dynamic player. And from talking to Jarmo Kekalainen last night, a very, a complete 200-foot player. Like He's not been a defensive liability at all. Uh, we've seen this before in Columbus with Gabriel Carlson coming in at the end of the season, and I think it was 16-17. And becoming a playoff regular when when he was the guy that wasn't even on the radar for most of the season, his season ended in Sweden and, and he came. Tom, you've you've referenced a previous move. I'm not sure this was all Tortorella this time. I think this was more Kekalainen's recommendation to Tortorella. Tortorella agreeing, but you remember a, a season uh, recently with with Chris Kreider and the Rangers where a similar move was made.
2: Yeah, I don't. I can't remember if it was. If the season, it was the first round of the playoffs in 2012, and he came into the lineup in game three, had never played a regular season game. And that was at least in part because he was still in college. And I I can't remember, and I I don't remember when his team was eliminated, if he just came right here or he was a healthy scratch the first two games. But going back to your first point, is that we've seen that Tortorella is not afraid to put young guys in the lineups now. Gabriel Carlson was a little different in the fact that he, he got into the lineup when they had already clinched, right? I mean, those, the, those games weren't you right. know, huge implications in his first games where, of course, um, that was the case with Kreider. So it'll be interesting. It's, it's, I think it's fun. and I, I think that one of the things I want to know is what, they, what this means if, if your reporting is correct, and I don't doubt it, that Wenberg comes out who goes in on special teams there mm. because he does, he does play in special teams. They had talked about Ryan Dzingel like getting in and playing, playing some PK. Right. And does, does he take, does he step in and take, um, Wenberg's place. And, um, the power play, I don't think is, is as much an, uh, an issue, but you know, their PK has been so good and they've had some really nice set, uh, units there. So, it, that, that to me, will be one of the, the interesting things.
1: Yeah, and I think this is more, not to go anti-hitch here, but this is more about the power play than the penalty kill, where this kid will shoot. We've seen that in Cleveland. We've seen it in, in uh, his time in Finland. He will shoot the puck, and it is it has been odd. I think we've all remarked it's odd to see Winberg out on the power play, a guy with two goals in the last 70 games, out on the power play when this is a team that has significant firepower, should. Um, Allison, uh, welcome, Mr. Texe to the NHL. And your first game is a pretty big game, and you're playing on the biggest stage in, in maybe the world in terms of sports. Um, hello. Welcome.
3: <laughs> well, I, it's funny. My mind goes back to his first year uh, coming to Columbus right after he was drafted, and his English was, was just beginning to, to be a factor. Um, and so we spoke with him, you know, just trying to be very simple so that everyone understood everyone. And we asked him who was the best uh, player to come out of France that he might have looked up to. And he said, it was me. He said, me meaning himself. <laughs> so um, that confidence should serve him. Well, I, I'm with Tom. It's a little surprising to me that you bring this player in this situation this player coming into this game situation. Um, but I am not a yeah. NHL GM. Um, right. Go ahead. Go you ahead. know, I think that uh, what is interesting, and we wrote about this last year, is that Tessier, has, he's young, he's, but he has really taken an interesting path. You know, he went to a club for the past two years that wasn't super successful, but that's in part why he went there. He went there because he could play against men and he could get a lot of playing time. And so he could really grow his game um, and it appears that he has done that he's also already had the experience of moving away from home taking care of himself being grown up so while while his age is a low number um, the work he's put into his career uh, belies that in my opinion I, I'm excited to see what he can do all the reports I've heard out of Cleveland have, have been positive I, I, don't, I, I wasn't I don't
2: think it's as, as much as surprise just the the putting him I mean just the uh, changing of special teams, especially the the penalty kill. Well, well I, I think it's a surprise.
3: I quite frankly was floored. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I wasn't
2: <laughs> necessarily surprised. I mean, a little bit, of course, but uh, I mean, these things happen around the league. You see, you see teams bring in guys late in the year, and again, we saw it with Gabriel Carlson. So.
3: But they, cl- but but that, as you said, though they had clinched. I mean, this yeah. is. It, the, you, yeah. I don't know that you see this exact, and this is nothing to do with the abilities of. Alexander Tessier, but I don't think you see all right. this all the time.
2: Well, no, you see
3: the playoffs.
2: You see, you see, like the Crider stuff happen fairly. Yeah. I don't want to say regularly, but it 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 happens. It seems Guys like just a, pop in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it seems like a couple teams a year have a guy come in that hasn't played right. in the season just just because he's available at at that certain time. Yeah. But it is, it's always a little. Eye-opening, I think. Um, and and to be clear, the, the Wen Wenberg being a healthy scratch tonight in New York is not settled science, as they say. Uh, that's certainly what it looked like uh, as of last night. And again, I think if you move Boone to the middle, I don't know that you're taking Dubinsky or Nash out the way that that line's been pretty good together. Those three and the way Torch has really embraced that line, um, he looks like he's the odd man out. Uh, likely the odd man out, but we'll get official word, Tom. You will later today. I think this Texier thing is as much about him, as much about him looking really, really good in the AHL, as it is trying to uh, unsettle people at the NHL level that maybe think that are that the coaching staff may think is, are too comfortable. I think that I think he likes. We've talked about how Tortorella likes conflict and he likes guys being unsettled. I think I think he I think it it's a beneficial thing to him. I think he would be I think he's looking for some way to goose the lineup and totally totally radically change things right before they go in in a positive way offensively. I think he wants more firepower and more guys that think that way. Instead of always being comfortable, always being um, structurally sound and having no risk to the game, as Wenberg does, uh, any merit to this guys? do you think do you believe that to be the case?
2: Uh, go ahead, Allison.
3: No, I mean I, I just again, I just it's, it's an interest I don't disagree with the premise. I absolutely agree with the premise. Again, I just find the timing of it. But, I mean, this has been a season of risk. This has been a season of calculated risk. So, I mean, go for it, I guess. But, it, I mean, it's definitely a torch thing. Again, I just – and I've always said I'm the more conservative of our group. And it's, uh, it's just interesting to me, for, to me that they're doing this at this time.
2: For me, I think it's – how many, how many goals does Weinberg have on the season? Two. Two. Uh, he just – I just don't even notice him. I mean, and you're, that, if you want to reward a guy that and you think that could help you, uh, that might have a little uh, a little ballsiness to his game, why not? I, I just I don't think that there's the, anything that Wenberg has done to to say he earned, he deserves a spot right now. I just again the only my again the only thing I think of it is more for the for the PK, and that's it. I mean I I, I think there's I don't have a problem with this at all.
3: Yeah, I don't have a no. problem. To be clear, I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's interesting, and and yeah. I don't disagree with any of what's been said. I just think it's in the things that we're saying as explanations. In my opinion, happen when there's a little more security in your postseason position, whatever that is, and that's not locked up. And I don't yeah. disagree that a lighting a fire under certain players' butts helps. But and Tessier is great. But listen, when uh. Vitaly Abramov came up to the AHL his first time. He was a point-per-game player. And, and I'm certainly not saying that Tessier isn't going to be good, but light a fire, but it it's an interesting choice.
2: I don't think it's even lighting a fire as much as they just think this guy can help them. I, don't, I think you, lighting a fire happens in game 60, 64 or 43. And by the way, we're still talking about this team being nervous and stuff in game 81. Yeah. Ugh. That's that, that's probably a whole another podcast in itself, but
1: yeah, but, and I think a big part of this too is I think John Tortorella is wise enough to know that they can't they can't play it safe and be who they are and expect to get through the first round, even if they make the playoffs. Like they need some. Bjorkstrand's been a goose. That's been great. Josh Anderson has has pushed them a little bit more this year than he did last year. I think. They they still need another wave of, oh, my God, how do you check these guys? How do you check this team with three scoring lines? And they don't have three scoring lines most nights. They have one or two. They really need to be a more dangerous team offensively, and I think he's willing to gamble to get there.
2: Well, at least uh, these just these these next two games to see what the kid does. Now, yeah. to Allison's point, he may come in here and like, oh, my God, I'm in game 81 and we got to win. And he may be out of the lineup by the time, if and they do get in the playoffs. But I do like the idea of this kid lit it up down there, seven games. It's it is just again we do see it. I'm trying to, and I keep saying we do see it. And I'm trying to think of other examples around the league where we've seen this happen. Did um, Pittsburgh have a guy go in that hadn't played? Well, I mean, the, 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 one of the classic ones was, uh, and these guys were older, but. Right in the middle of their play on the '92 Stanley Cup, Jacques Collander and somebody else just—they're like, "Ah, we'll bring, bring him up in the minors," and they played the rest of the playoffs.
1: What's so, the
2: um, I mean, of course, Ken Dryden was the ultimate example of—I right. don't think he—he he, he won the. Did he not win the Con Smythe before he won Rookie of the Year? I,
1: isn't that hilarious?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this does happen from time to time. It's not—it doesn't happen all the time, but. I, I think he'll come in, and it would not surprise me to see him. You know, he'll probably, I'm sure he'll be nervous for a couple shifts, but uh, I think it's a, again. And I, I know we're all agreeing this. I think it's a good move, I, and I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily punishment or to light a fire in anybody. It's like, hey, this guy might be able to help us right now. Yeah. And the other guy is not helping us right now, so let's 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 do it.
1: Yeah, and maybe this kid is too young to even be to even know how nervous he should be. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's somehow sometimes how it works. Um, yeah, so uh, let's. We uh, just mentioned uh, Bjorkstrand and Josh Anderson and what a sort of how they've things along. It, yeah, Allison wrote a piece today about Dean Kukan Kukan. Kukan
2: Come on, get the Kukin. name right.
1: Kukan. I'll officially be uh, changing
3: the pronunciation of my last name as well. Please stay tuned.
1: Um, and how. Boy, when Ryan Murray losing Ryan Murray is a big, big hit to this team. Just in their ability to get out of the out of the zone beyond the first pair. Um, but who has emerged? But, but Dean. <laughs> Come on, say it. Somebody.
3: Kukan. I literally sent this to you last night to approve. Cookin. It's it's in, it's in her friggin' lead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you remember uh, uh, Artemy Panarin. <laughs> Oh, God, don't even start on that one. <laughs> um, no, uh, Dean, the defenseman Dean, has been really good. <laughs> the defenseman
2: not only is Dean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> has really elevated his, his play. And there are times where you go, whoa, that's that's Dean down there. Um, and I, I he looks bigger to me in the defensive zone. It's just confidence. It's just as willing to, to carry the puck and be part of, be in traffic with the puck not too much of course in his own zone but he he seems more formidable as a player and Allison you wrote about him at length today uh what's what's there about about defenseman dean that that has been so I think impressive but also illuminating for this team at at a time where they really 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 have needed
2: him
3: what was that sigh for Tom
2: defenseman dean like fireman like Fireman Bill.
3: <laughs> well, do I, what's what's been interesting about uh, Kukin is that personally, and I've, I've had an eye on him when he's been in the NHL because I think he fits the mold of this team, um, and it's just been him putting it together to earn a consistent spot. Um, th- th- this is who he says he is. It's how he's always wanted to play. Interestingly, um, I talked to him about before when he came over to North America – In Europe, he was almost a frustrated player. He was playing in a system at the time that was D-to-D passes, a lot of hinge plays, and it's almost like maybe this in part is he's always been this kind of player, and he's finally finding his footing in a system that wants him to play this way. He's tremendous in terms of skating. He's tremendous in terms of his transition game, both with the puck on his stick and in passing. Um, and, And as you said, Aaron, that really highlights something that Ryan Murray brought so refilling that void is important. A little bit like Ryan Murray, too, where Kukan can Kukan can continue to improve, though, is his own individual offense. He's still not really confident there, um, but he's rounding out his defensive play. And, and, you know, the trick in all this and why I think we've been hesitant to really say he's fully there is just how much time he's played. It's not been a lot. Um, he was finally getting his footing last year and then he gets injured and then Ian Cole comes in and... Now he seems to finally be finding his footing again, and it's and we talked with John Tortorella about this a little bit yesterday. It's about consistently showing who you are as a player, um, because this isn't about, you know, Scott Harrington got hurt, Kukin goes in, and now Kukin's in in perpetuity. That's not what this is about. Kukin has to continue to prove he deserves to get in. Um, Harrington's right there, and they've liked what Harrington has done, too, so... Um, he's definitely providing that offensive mind. He fits with that driving from the back end, like we, like Torts has talked about for three years now. Um, it's just about really kind of maturing and putting it all together consistently for this kid.
1: Yeah, I, I think for me his skating is good. His puck, his puck movement is good. I think it's what it needs to be at this point to be a third-pairing guy mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. them. What, what intrigues me is he's he's never played this season anyways more than three games in a row, and he has sat for long stretches. And so I think – so he's played six games in a row now, which is twice as many games in a row as he's played all season. I think we're just starting to see a guy maybe just getting up to pace here.
3: Totally.
1: Uh, I I think his ceiling is see, a couple of heads higher than Scott Harrington's. Am I wrong there, Tom?
0: No,
2: no, because that's this is the way that uh, these type of players, it's kind of the way the NHL is going, right? It's not a physical game anymore. Uh, he can kind of thrive and thrive in this element. So I, I, I've noticed him. I didn't notice him at all prior to this year. I really didn't. Really? I, mean, I, I see him in the lineup. I've noticed him big time in the game against Washington, in Washington. It was the first time I really noticed him as – yeah, this, this, there's something here. And I'm, I'm sure, like, Allison, you watch all the numbers and stuff. and But, no, I, I mean, I'm not saying he was bad. I no, mean, you, no, yeah. You also notice a player if he's bad, right? You, you're like, that guy can't play. So, yes. in some ways, when you say, especially a third-pair guy, if you don't notice him, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but I noticed him very much so in a game in Washington, and I've kind of been watching him much more ever since. Uh, and he's, he's handled it so far so good. But, I mean, if they make the playoffs and he's still in the lineup, now that's going to be a different animal, but it's going to be a different animal for a lot of guys.
1: That's right. Uh, still no word on McQuaid, who I think we safely assume has a concussion after the hit by Andrew Shaw against Montreal. Uh, still no sight of Murray, who uh, we've asked, we've been told that they've not ruled him out. For the rest of the season, so there it depends on what the rest of the season looks like, of course, how far they're able to play. Um but so Dean can absolutely huge for them. And they've they also they brought up Adam Clendang from from Cleveland uh, and Andrew Peake is here. Uh, the kid they just signed out of Notre Dame. So that's what your seven eight looks like right, right now. Um yeah, I saw McQuaid after the game the other night, but he has not skated since the the injury. Um, what else do you guys want to get to? Allison, you mentioned something on the college coaching hire front.
3: Yes. So there is a, um, people who follow the Ohio coaching scene may know that long time, uh, Miami coach, uh, was fired, um, at the end of last season, Enrico Blasi. He had, the program had struggled of late. Um, and as is often the case, the coach, uh, takes the fall for that. Um, but it is being reported by college hockey news that Miami will be hiring, announcing the hire of the the previous Bowling Green coach, Chris Bergeron, um, who is a Miami alum. Um, Got to feel a little bit for Bowling Green because this is a coach who just brought Bowling Green back into the NCAA conversation this season, and now he leaves. Um, But that's going to be happening, and uh, we also want to acknowledge that uh, Ohio State um, ended their season. They were not able to make it back to the Frozen Four this year, but uh, thus far two of their seniors have already signed contracts. Mason Yopst um, has a two-way deal with the New York Islanders um, and defenseman of the year, Big Ten defenseman of the year, Sasha LaRock has signed an AHL deal um, with Colorado's club. So I don't know if that'll lead to something for next season at the NHL level as well or a two-way, but um, that's two out of a very talented senior class that really was kind of the impetus for a lot of what Ohio State has accomplished of late.
1: And I ask you, is there a better name than Sasha LaRock?
3: It's beautiful, isn't it? What a great name.
2: Yes. Tom, any thoughts on Sasha LaRock? No. no? The <laughs> Blue Jackets, neither the Blue Jackets nor the uh, Rangers have any availability until later this afternoon. And so there was no morning skate here in New York today for the, for the Blue Jackets. Uh, and then uh, both coaches are talking before the game. So we won't really know about any lineup changes until later in the day. Yes,
3: and I would just like to quickly give a shout out everyone who came to our meetup. Thank you. Yes. Love seeing everybody.
1: It was wonderful. Yes. Yeah. So we should do that again sometime. Indeed. Uh, it is. It's amazing how quickly things change. Uh, now you're now you're thinking, Jesus, the Blue Jackets win. Do you rest guys against Ottawa, or are you going full bore for Carolina and just keeping things alive till Saturday?
3: Tom.
2: Uh, I would be keeping full-bore. Yes. I would. There's no way. I would not want to. Bob starts in both, eh? Yeah, I, w- I would want to avoid. It's amazing. You're lining up to the play the defending champs who have been playing very well lately. But yes. that's kind of, that's the bed they've made right now.
1: Yeah, and I, it just seemed strange. What a world when the defending Stanley Cup champs are the preferred matchup. Yep to the Tampa Bay lightning, but it, it may, may be that anything else, Tom, anything else to add? Nope. All right.
3: Allison. I'm good.
1: All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching all of our shenanigans and thanks for coming out to the meet and greet. We'll do it again sometime. And Tom will be with you post game tonight from the garden. And I'll be with you uh, post game from Ottawa on Saturday. So thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.